there. This is Ashley Lehman, your host of the Spoondrift Podcast, the show where I skim the surface of a giant ocean of information and capture the Spoondrift. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the loving day, more on that, and then about mental health days. The loving day. Now for more explanation on that. That is actually, this is a story that's surrounding interracial marriage. I found an article on NPR that describes the event, or the court case rather, that made it legal in the United States for people of different races to become married. Now this story is centered around Mildred and Richard Lovin. They were a couple that were married back in 1958. Mildred was black and Native American, and Richard was white. They were married in the state of Virginia, and the state of Virginia prohibited mixed-race marriage at the time. And a couple weeks after their marriage, both were arrested and convicted of a crime. Now, this crime was tried. They were convicted and charged. They were given the option to either accept a prison sentence of one year or to leave the state, and they opted to leave. So Mildred and Richard Loving, they left Virginia and, I guess, accepted the ruling. But after a while, they decided to take the ruling of the case back to court. They enlisted the help of the American Civil Liberties Union. Now, the argument that they made is an interesting one, one that may come as pretty obvious now in a time after the ruling of the case. But the lawyers challenged the 14th Amendment, specifically Section 1 of the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. And here's what Section 1 of the Constitution says, and I quote, No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, end quote. And here's the key thing, quote, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws, end quote. And that is the section that the American Civil Liberties Union put into question during this court case. How can a state deny Mildred Loving and Richard Loving the ability to be married to one another when in the Constitution it states that no law, no state, shall deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. If two people who happen to be white or two people who happen to be black are able to get married, then how come a white person and a black person cannot be married? And this argument in the case was what turned the tide. The ruling, it was brought all the way to the Supreme Court, and the ruling was in favor of the Lovings. And this ruling was issued on June 12th, 1967. <laughs> and I, I would be amiss if I didn't point out the fact that their last name was Lovings. I mean, how, fan, how great, I mean, it's how great a coincidence that the name associated with this case, one surrounding marriage, and love and the ability to love who you like. <laughs> How awesome is it 
that the name associated with that case is Lovings. It's fantastic. And this case, this Supreme Court case, it set the precedence that no state can make distinctions like that on marriage based on race. And that precedence still holds today. And it applies to the entire nation. And so in honor of the ruling of this Supreme Court case, June 12th is recognized as Loving Day. It's, it's meant to remind people of one's ability to love who you choose and to not let a law get in the way of that. Now we will switch gears a little bit and discuss mental health days. Now most people are familiar with sick days. Now sick days in terms of employment or school are days in which one can be absent from work, be absent from school, and not be penalized. <laughs> now, I should say in the context of school, and I guess school especially, penalized, I'll put that in quotes, <laughs> should not be, quote, penalized. But the idea is, if you are sick, you can call in and say, I am not able to show up today because I do not feel well, because I would not be able to accomplish any work. I am not physically fit enough to be in a workplace with other people where I'm interacting, and potentially I could pose a danger to others in terms of their health, such as spreading the sickness or disrupting the workplace. That is usually associated with physical illness. If you are vomiting or have a cold or are contagious because you are sick, places of work and places of learning do not want you to come in. They want you to feel acceptable. They want you to feel comfortable saying, all right, I'm going to stay home and hopefully I will feel better in the future. That's the idea. Now, the, the, the weird thing, or at least the norm up till now, is that that sort of distinction has been reserved for physical illness, as in my body is not cooperating. Something about my physical being is not right. And that is the distinction that has been made previously and continues to be made now. And there isn't the same sort of sick day for, men for mental disruption or feeling uncomfortable, feeling non-productive, feeling in a funk, feeling not capable of doing your best work because of an off mental state. There is no such well-accepted or well-integrated sick day for mental health. It's only for physical health. Now that shift towards the acceptance of a mental health day is beginning and is in its, I would say, a transition phase. It's probably working its way into the professional world, and it's working its way into the educational world. Now, K through 12 students in Illinois are especially a part of this transition. Another article published on NPR covers this story. So Illinois recently passed a bill that would allow students in K through 12 uh, in the K through 12 grades, five excused absences 
per school year for mental health reasons. Illinois is not the only state to have done something like this. Other states include Arizona, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Maine, Nevada, Oregon, Utah, and Virginia. And that is to say, if someone feels like they are not able to perform up to the capacity that they feel is required for school, they can call in sick and not have to get a doctor's note. In this bill, it also makes a stipulation that after students have a second mental health-related absence, the district officials are required to refer the student to a appropriate school support personnel, whether that be a therapist or a caseworker or some sort of resource to provide the student with help. Now, this, this transition, as I mentioned, is ongoing. This bill was passed just recently, in 2022. Here's a bit of the language that's included in the bill itself. Quote, absence for cause by illness shall include the mental or behavioral health of a student for up to five days for which the child need not provide a medical note, in which case the child shall be given the opportunity to make up any schoolwork missed during the mental or behavioral health absence. End quote. Generally speaking, the pattern is that the acceptance of the importance of mental health is probably on the rise. Some people are realizing that mental health is a thing, just like physical health. While it may be well accepted that if your body doesn't cooperate, that's a problem, it's not as widely accepted that if your brain or your mind isn't cooperating, that's also a problem. In this transition, is happening. Some statistics that were included in, the, in this article are they, they can help put this into perspective. A federal survey was conducted in efforts to understand how schools are responding to mental health needs and the requests of their students. And in this survey, 70% of schools responded that more students had been seeking mental health services since the pandemic started. And the pandemic, of course, in this context is definitely a event that we have to consider. It disrupted the normal course of day-to-day -day life. It completely turned how we go about our work and personal lives up on its head. No longer were people commuting back and forward to work, commuting back and forward to school. People were put into a situation where they had to stay home and interact with people digitally or in some other fashion that didn't involve close contact. Looking more at these statistics, about half of the nation lives in what's called a designated mental health worker shortage area. Moving on, a Mental Health America survey in 2020 asked people about mental health concerns, and the top response for people aged 14 to 18 years old was that they were concerned about access to mental health professionals and excused absences from work and school. So people are wondering, who can I go to to find help? And what would happen if I need this help and I can't get to work or I can't get to school? People are starting to wonder how this the mental health crisis can be addressed. It steps towards moving towards a solution. They include, one, just working in mental health education into the curriculum, helping people to understand 
what mental health is, the reality of it, and the importance of addressing it and being proactive when it comes to evaluating and maintaining your mental health. Also, adapting a prevention mindset, not letting things simmer or get to a point where it does become a problem, but being proactive and taking on habits, good habits that help you stay in touch with your mental health and be able to identify whenever something may be happening that isn't good or when do I need to get help or what are some ways that I can help myself in overcoming difficulties. Now this youth mental health crisis is something that is mentioned in the article and this mental health crisis is definitely larger in scope. It's being recognized to an extent much more than I had previously realized. An an advisory was officially declared by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The Surgeon General Vivek Murthy said, quote, the COVID-19 pandemic further altered their experiences, end quote, and this is referring to children and adolescents especially, quote, at home, school, and in the community. And the effect on their mental health has been devastating. The future well-being of our country depends on how we support and invest in the next generation, end quote. What that's saying is that there's data supporting the issue that is, the, the growing issue, I should say, that is mental health, especially in children and adolescents. It can't be ignored, the difficulties that kids and adolescents and young adults are going through, especially in the modern world with social media, with online presence, (laughs) with the COVID-19 pandemic, with remote interactions. It's an entirely new ecosystem for people to grow up in and deal with. Cyberbullying and school violence are very real things that people have to deal with on a daily basis. And who do kids turn to when it comes to addressing these issues? It's becoming more and more noticed that schools are the resources that students rely on. Students will ask and go to their schools to find ways to help with their social needs. And quite frankly, schools don't have the staff or the funding to support their students, which goes to show that there aren't enough resources available as of right now to address what has been declared as a young mental health crisis. And that is the name of the game, finding the funds to help provide these resources, and spreading the education to help people understand what the magnitude of the issue is, and to help them come to terms with what sort of steps are necessary in order to address the issue, and ensure that people are living good lives and happy lives, and lives that they can feel comfortable moving forward in. There was one quote that was given by a student that I think is also, um, it's illuminating when it comes to the school environment, not just in the mental health realm of things, but also in general. And this quote says this, quote, 
if I miss a day because I'm overwhelmed or not feeling well mentally, I feel like when I go back, I'll only be worse. I'll have to make up assignments and tests and be behind in my classes, end quote. And that, I think, applies both to mental health days and to physical health days, sick days, because and I that resonates with me. Uh, being in school, I have always felt like, yeah, maybe I do have the ability to take sick days as far as the rules are concerned. But in school, there is no break. There's no, if I'm gone for a couple of days, I will come back and pick up where I left off. If you're gone for as much as one day, you're likely to come back with a boatload of homework, in addition to still having to stay tra- stay on track with where the rest of the class is when you return. It's like doubling up the work, and you have to do the work that you miss within a small window of time. So I was always of the mind that I didn't have the ability to say, I don't feel well, I'm not going into school, and feel that I would be comfortable with the situation that I was met with when I returned. It wasn't even an option. I would have to try whatever I could, whatever I found possible, to be able to still go to school and make sure I didn't fall behind on my assignments, on studying, preparing for tests. It's it's brutal. And I... I understand that it's very different in the professional world. Now, people will say, oh, it's it's the same. It's worse. It's higher stakes. And maybe they're right in some cases. But usually in the professional world, from my experience, what the way it is is you have tasks that you have to do. And sure, there are deadlines. And if you aren't there to do them, it's not like... Everyone else is moving through them, is moving ahead on the same tasks, and you have to do your tasks and theirs in that makeup time. It's it's more like you come back and you have you you have to catch up on what you've been doing. So finding a a quick balance for that, it's it's a very different environment. And when it comes to that, I totally totally agree and feel for the student who said that, feeling overwhelmed moving into uh, back into school after being out sick. It's rough. And as far as changing the structure of the way the this, this, this school systems work in order to avoid that situation, that will require probably change in the overall structure, not just mental or sick health days. But enough of that. I think the transition to mental health days, to accepting that These sort of issues are real enough and have have weight, just like physical health is. I think it's a tremendous shift. I think it's it's a really good uh, step that we're making. It's valuable progress, and I'm very happy to see that school systems are making a step in that direction. Now for the music update. This week I'm looking forward to the new album from Foles called Life Is Yours. And here are some of my music picks. I'm only going to go through the highlights, but be assured there are many more songs in the playlist. First I have Waiting For Never by Post Malone, English Rap. This is 
a song that came on the deluxe edition of his recent new album. And the deluxe edition, oddly enough, only features two new songs, and it was released like the week after the original. It's very bizarre to me, but this song is pretty good. <laughs> Walk Again by Toil, Heise, and Big Naughty, Korean R&B. Bucket List by Big Naughty, Korean Rap. Boss by Lil Mosh Pit, featuring Say, Big Naughty, and Goosebumps, Korean Rap. FWB by ELO, featuring Moon Sujin, Korean R&B. He's Next to You Instead of Me by Toil, featuring Kid Wine, Korean Ballad. Ice by EK, Korean Rap. And finally, Mango by Khaki, Korean Rap. There's my music update. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Spoon Drift. If you want to listen to the music that I talked about, you can check out my Spotify profile, The Spoon Drift Podcasts, and find The Spoon Drift Season 3, Episode 17 playlist. For more episodes of The Spoon Drift, you can visit Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spinnaker Radio's home on the web, radio.unfspinnaker.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to find The Spoon Drift on social media, you can follow me on Twitter, at SpoonDriftPod, that's at SpoonDriftPod, or on Instagram at SpoonDriftPodcasts. And there we go. Sweet noodles. Uh-huh.